I uh, tried to find some appropriate catchphrases uh, to continue our series this morning, uh, and catchphrases that would probably be appropriate for Valentine's Day since it's coming up uh, so soon, but they were all too cutesy and too corny, so um, I passed on that. However, I, I did find some great quotes that are worth repeating on the occasion of Valentine's Day, so we're going to put them up on the screen. Uh, this uh, first one, yeah, when you realize that you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. This is Harry Met Sally, remember that? And this next one. Gravity cannot be held responsible for people falling in love. Albert Einstein. All you need is chocolate, all you need is love, but a little chocolate now and then doesn't hurt. Charles Schultz. And this quote from Gandhi, where there is love, there is life. And this one, next one I love. If you live to be 100, I want to live to be 100 minus one day, so I never have to live without you. Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, aww. And then this last one. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Thanks. So there's a, there is a um, letter, and I didn't... I, I've, I've seen it enough or heard it enough, but I, it may be two letters actually, but there's a letter from the first century that historians have written by a Roman official to Caesar in Rome, and he was writing to complain about this new, well, actually he wasn't complaining about Christians, he was complaining about the Roman government, but his point was this, as they were observing this new cult, uh, this new religion that was burgeoning in their, in their midst in Rome, uh, he said, these Christians are doing a better job of caring for our citizens than Rome is. And if it wasn't in that same letter, a similar letter, again from a, uh, an official to Caesar, said, uh, again, his observation of this new cult of Christians as they were growing, is that they love one another before they even know each other. That was in the first century. They love one another before they even know each other. They call one another brother and sister. Now, I've been in the church my whole life, and I can attest that certainly there are times that it is true. You meet somebody who, who you discover as a Christian, and you feel this uh, immediate uh, initial uh, uh, affinity with them, connection with them. The real test of love, though, is what? Once you get to know them, whether you still love them, right? It's true. You've heard this adage before, to dwell, a love, to dwell above with saints we love, that will be glory. To dwell below with saints we know, that's another story. And then someone else has also compared Christians to porcupines. Uh, the world can be rather cold and we huddle together for warmth. And then as we huddle together, we begin to poke each other. So, but at our best, at our best, living into who we are as children of God, members of God's household, brothers and sisters in Christ, Despite our differences, and in the midst of a dangerously divided world, the church stands as a witness to the power of God, really the miracle that people so diverse can come together, and the church stands as a witness to the power of God and a sign of hope for humanity. The Holy Spirit is the one who creates communities of God's people who love and are loved, who serve and are served, who celebrate and are celebrated. 
We are in it together. We are better together. And those are our catchphrases for today. Jesus said that everyone will know us by, by our love. Now, Jesus, of course, wasn't talking about romantic love or warm, fuzzy feelings necessarily, but love that might be, that might be defined in other ways, such as grace, which is unconditional, unmerited favor, kindness, uh, compassion, mercy, a mutuality, a spiritual friendship, a commitment to, a desiring the best for others, seeking the highest good of others. I realize that our culture has distorted the whole idea of love. I'm looking at Jay. Um, I won't. Oh, now I got myself in trouble. Um, Anyway. Now I'm going to say it because we love each other. We do love each other. So, you know, I talk a lot about love, but, you know, often Jay's, uh, you know, poke at me, sort of, in a, in, a, in a good way, in an appropriate way, is that, you know, in North America, we have this version of love, this idea of love that gets very distorted, and, and, some, and so it needs to be qualified, it needs to be explained, right? So it's, it, that's all. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. So, uh, so all that, but, but I want to say to all of us and to Jay, um, I almost don't want to have to give those disqualifiers or have to explain that because I would argue this, God is love and all love comes from God. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't still abuse it and distort it because we do, okay? But I think of, of you know, the vastness of love, you know, call, in, in some ways it's beauty. You love poetry, art, music, even the splendor of God's creation. I love the way that looks outside right now. It looks like Narnia, doesn't it? Uh, the snow on the branches, it's absolutely glorious. I love it, okay? But also love in terms of uh, the affinity of friendship, right? Closeness that you feel for a friend, family members. Um, there is the, the desire of lovers. There is the faithfulness and commitment of spouses. It's all from God. But the love that Jesus models and that he calls us to mimic, and here's, here's where I'm going to make it clear, the love that Jesus models and calls us to mimic is a costly committed, sacrificial sort of giving of ourselves to and for others. And when we live and love in that way, it is a sign to the world, the kingdom of God is here. These are the followers of Jesus. This is the hope of the world. I share this as a backdrop to our scripture reading this morning because in that reading, Paul is writing to believers and urging them to he says to love sincerely, to be devoted to each other in love, to be gracious and humble and hospitable to each other. And the way that we love each other and our neighbor and the world is the single most identif identifying characteristic of what it means to be a Christ follower. Other things may be important, but nothing is more important than the way that we love each other. So I'm going to... Um, uh, so... <laughs> The catchphrases this morning that have been used frequently, probably more in recent years, that are worth repeating have to do with our life together in Christ, together in community. And I'm talking about the church, meaning really meaning the whole Christian church, the universal church, all of Christianity, but then specifically how it's lived out here in the local context and for us today here at Zion Covenant Church. We are in it together. Another way of saying it, but with a slightly different emphasis, we are better together. So turn to the person to the right of you and say, we are in it together. We are in it together. 
Great. I, I know that was a, probably a little confusing for those of you on the end of the aisles, but I don't know how else to do it. So turn to the person to the left of you and say, we are better together. Okay. I don't always give the clearest directions, but... So our scripture reading this morning is from Romans, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, beginning with verse 3. And I'm going to give you a bit of background to this uh, uh, text before we actually read it. So um, Paul is writing to, this is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome in the first century, uh, to Christians living in Rome, and they were facing a number of challenges, not least of which was the persecution, of course, at times severe persecution, but also within, they faced the threat of, of disunity, of, of, of division, and uh, uh, th- uh, threats to their unity, to their oneness. Now, initially, the church in Rome was made up primarily of uh, Jewish Christians, but over the course of time, and I think it was only a few decades, over the course of uh, a short period of time, uh, that completely flipped to the church being predominantly Gentile in Rome. And uh, living, serving, worshiping, even eating a meal together uh, had its challenges. A church potluck meal became a cause for strife and division because of the cultural, religious, and experiential differences between these two groups of people. And I say two groups, but really it was probably even multiple groups. You You had the Jews, now Christians, but you had all these Gentiles who came from all kinds of different backgrounds, uh, now coming into the church as well. And uh, as I said, even something as simple as eating a meal together could become a challenge. You maybe, you maybe had no idea that your friends would be so deeply offended when you brought your scalloped potatoes and ham or your baked beans, uh, your baked beans and bacon dish to the church supper, Okay. Or maybe you did know that they were going to be distraught by what you brought, and you brought it anyway because, doggone it, you're free in Christ. You can eat the ham. You can eat the bacon. Okay? Or maybe you were on the other side of the fence, and, you know, you, you uh, only eat what is kosher, and so you expect everyone else should observe your dietary restri- restrictions because, after all, they are biblical. Well, we can chuckle about such silly differences that divided these believers or potentially divided them, but for them, they were serious issues, theological issues, faith issues, as serious as any issue that would threaten to divide the church in 2020. And to think differently is to not understand those cultural cultural differences in, in the context of that first century or to see in them our own challenges today. What Paul is trying, listen, this, this is, I'm speaking broadly of the whole letter of Romans. What Paul is trying to help them see is that despite those differences, they were still in it together. They were still better together. We are in it together. We are better together. Paul is writing to the church at Rome in part to mitigate those differences, it, to, in, to encourage greater tolerance and patience and understanding the book of Romans is a masterful letter, and I, and I don't say that lightly. Martin Luther said you could throw out the whole rest of the Bible and only have the book of Romans, and you would have all that you need, and it's true. It's everything you need for life, faith, doctrine, conduct. It's all there in Romans. It really is. It's such, a, uh, it's such an important work of Paul's 
but he's laying a, a theological foundation for them. So, uh, again, I'm just giving you some background. How both Jew and Gentile are under sin and, need, and in need of salvation, and both made right with God through faith in Christ. Paul's point, as we just sang in the last song, we are all sinners saved by grace. And so Paul says, don't think that you are in any way superior or better or more holy or more right with God than your brother or sister who is different from you. You may go on, you may go on living separately, excluding, marking your divisions. And the church has been wont to do this down through the ages, right? It wasn't just the first century church in Rome that was struggling with this. The church down through the ages. We've, we've always been about excluding some other group, some other group of Christians. They're, they're not the right kind of Christians, Right? Martin Luther King said 50 years ago that Sunday morning is still the most segregated hour of the week. There are so many things that divide us, that separate us. And Paul's point here and in other places in the New Testament is that all the age-old artificial human divisions that we erect are done away with at the cross. God's grace is sufficient for each of us, and if it's not sufficient for any one of us, then it's not sufficient for all of us. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we are in it together, and we are better together. So now, let me read. It's a lot of background, isn't it? That was the short introduction to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. See, even Paul knew that his position, who he was, was purely by God's grace. Paul says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us, If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. So this portion of Romans is speaking to life together in the church, and Paul, Paul uses the, the human body as his as his metaphor or illustration. Our bodies are made up, right, of many parts. Fingers, toes, eyes, ears, organs, everything. Skeletal, tissues, muscles, all of that stuff. And usually we just take our bodies for granted, right? We do, until there's a problem. I had my annual physical this past week, and so before going to that, I had to stop and think, hmm, is everything working? (laughs) Is everything okay? Is there anything that I need to alert the doctor of, you know, to explore further? It's true. We are, while we take these bodies for granted, we are, as Scripture says, fearfully and wonderfully made, but so is the church. And that's Paul's point. The church is fearfully and wonderfully made. This body of Christ made up of all different members and parts that serve different functions. 
Paul says that we who are in Christ, we who are many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. That's a powerful illustration. Together, we make up the church, which is the body of Christ. Zion Covenant Church is one body, one expression of the whole body of Christ in the world. But, it is an, but it, locally, this is, this is who we are. And, whether, and listen, whether or not, we welcome 13 new people today, but whether or not you are formally a member of Zion, if you are in Christ, you are already a member of the whole Christian church, okay, which supersedes any membership here, just saying, so that you're all aware. We're happy when people formally join because in that you're making a commitment to us and we're making a commitment to you, but we're still all in this together. If you're here, if this is where you regularly worship, this is your church home, whether you're formal membership or not. I'm saying to you, we are in it together with you, and we are better together, okay? So each of us is part of that body, and none of us, none of us is complete or whole in ourselves. None of us belong only to ourselves. We are in it together. We are better together. Paul says that we have different gifts according to the grace given us. And he goes on to name some of those gifts here, and, and there are other scriptures where uh, uh, there's even a, a longer list of gifts that's mentioned. 1 Corinthians 12, for example, there are four places in scripture where Paul lists uh, the various spiritual gifts that are given to us, and there are probably even more than the ones that Paul lists in those places. So these gifts, talents, these abilities which can be honed and developed are to be employed in Christ's service for the building up of the church and for the serving of our world together. And Paul says that in the body, we need to be using and encouraging these gifts among us. We are in it together. We are better together. And beyond giftedness, I would add temperaments and personalities, passions and callings, perspectives and experiences. All of it enriches who we are. Every time someone new comes to our body here, to Zion Covenant, every time someone new comes here, they bring with them their gifts, their experiences, their perspectives, and we are all enriched by that, especially when we actually put those gifts to work, when we employ those gifts here and engage and make contributions to the body. We all have something to contribute to the whole, a part to play in the whole. And the implication is that if we aren't using our gifts... If we aren't contributing in that way, something of ourselves, something who, of who God has made us, then really, if, if, if Paul is using the analogy of a body, then somehow this body is handicapped when any of us are not functioning. In the same way that, you know, if you slammed your thumb with a hammer and it was sore for a week and you couldn't use it, your body's, you feel it, right? The whole body feels it. Same is true for us here. If any one of us is not using those gifts, if any one of us is hurting, okay, if any one of us is celebrating, we are not alone. We are in this together. We are better together. And this idea that we are all part of one body and belong to each other sort of flies in the face of the, of the cultural conditioning that has shaped every one of us without exception. 
Ever since the Enlightenment, the Reformation, the blossoming of, of democracy, the American experiment, we have elevated the individual and individualism to an extreme. We've done it in the church. So much of our focus has been on personal relationship with Christ, not, not that that's wrong, but it's only part of the story. A personal relationship with Christ as though, it is all, as though all that mattered was me and Jesus. Christianity was never meant to be a solo sport. It has, it has never been about the individual, but about the corporate, about the body, about the church, about the new community of God in the world. When you come to Christ, you don't come just to Jesus. You come to God's family. You, come to a, you now suddenly have brothers and sisters in Christ. It's, it's not just about you and Jesus. You are part of a larger family, the whole Christian church. To belong to Christ is to belong to the whole church, the body of Christ. We belong to Christ, and we belong to each other. Now, I can let my individual light shine, and I need to, but when Jesus said, you are the light of the world, he was speaking corporately. He was speaking you plural, a city on a hill. We are in it together. We are better together. We are brighter together. And it is God, the Holy Spirit, who has brought us together at this particular time, in this particular place, to be about Christ's priorities in the world and in our own community. This is a unique period in time, a unique period in Zion's history, if you will. Every period has been unique, I suppose. But we are all here, I'll say on assignment from God, called to this place at this time with our unique perspectives and experiences and gifts that we bring to the table to strengthen this church so that we can bless our community. We all have a role to play. Um, one of the things that I've been wanting to start for a while and got launched actually yesterday is this toolbox team. And, uh, but, and sort of behind this is this idea that I am, I'm excited by um, not only the new people who have come in and what they bring, but also by uh, the ideas and initiatives and conversations that have been bubbling up over the last several weeks, maybe months here at Zion. And uh, that's exciting. God the Holy Spirit is working among us. One of the things that, that I think was out of that that prompted me was to get the um, toolbox team going. And we just met for the first time yesterday. And uh, just a snapshot of that. All that is is it's inviting others to come together uh, here in the church who, uh, I don't know if they're spiritual gifts, but they're gifts, their abilities of, you know, people who are handy around the house, know how to fix things. Uh, so yesterday we met, uh, had coffee and a roll and, and uh, a brief devotion. And then uh, yesterday, just because it was our first time meeting, we walked the, this building, looked every nook and cranny and corner of this building and made our list of all the things that need to be attended to, okay? And so over the course of the next months, years, uh, we'll be whittling away at that list. Uh, all of it is, is intended really to bless this church, to, uh, you know, this, this building is a gift to us. It's a resource, it's a tool for ministry, and we're called to be good stewards of it. And so um, there's a hand, yesterday there were a handful that showed up, and uh, of all extremely gifted guys. But gals, you're welcome too, because I know some of you can paint and uh, 
you can also, you know, I'm going to get, now I'm going to get myself in really bad trouble. You can do a whole lot of things. You can do anything a guy can do. So, jeez. I got some growing to do yet. Anyway. So, so literally, when, you know, when, they all, when, when everybody met up yesterday, for me, that was like a microcosm of what I'm talking about, you know, my, really a microcosm of the church. We are in it together, and we are better together, even in that little group, you know? Like, uh, the list is too long for any one of us, and no one of us probably has all the skill set needed for, you know, the things. And even yesterday, walking through the building, five sets of eyes was was good. We haven't done that in a long time to walk through the building and, and notice what needs to be, you know, fixed or attended to or painted or touched up or repaired or replaced. All good. So, um, you know what they say, many hands make work light, right? So our hope is that all of us, and now I'm speaking more broadly, all of us, no matter what group or ministry that you're involved in here at Zion or the larger group, our hope, our vision is that all of us will be better connected to others in this place, caring and being cared for, learning and growing together, sharpening each other, serving each other, and serving our community together. And the final word of our text this morning, which I think is worth repeating, is this. Love must be sincere. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep up your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. You are not in it alone. We are in it together. You are not sufficient in yourself. We are better together. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this church, for sisters and brothers in Christ. Lord, make this church a power for good in our community and bless our efforts to be your witness in the world. Make this a safe place where all are welcome and given space and grace for you to be at work. Let faith, hope, and love be found here. We ask it for Jesus' sake and in his name. Amen.